Hey everybody, this is Pat Torpy from Mr. Big. This is Randy Hughes, the voice of rock. And you're listening to Music Mania. And you're listening to Music Mania. You're ready for some screaming heavy metal? We rock! But the evil that men do... ...lends on... We're gonna bang your You are now listening to the Music Mania Podcast, brought to you by CD Warehouse in Gladstone, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest, featuring hard-hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here's your host, Clint Schweitzer. Well, the sultry summer rolls along here on the Music Mania Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me for yet another show. It has been a busy summer so far. I'll tell you what, uh, when it's summertime, the living is anything but easy for me. I've been out on the road covering shows, doing interviews. It's just been a fantastic summer so far, albeit a sultry, blistering hot one. Uh, I just got back from um, a weekend stint uh, in Fishers, Indiana, where I covered uh, the Beach Boys concert. What a deal that was. I mean, there were 10,000 people all bringing their own long chairs and coolers into this venue on uh, Connor Prairie and the Beach Boys played with the Indiana Symphony Orchestra what a situation that was got to go backstage we had done an interview with uh, guitarist uh, Scott Totten a few months ago so it was cool to go backstage and got to meet uh, Mike and Bruce you know Mike Love a founding member of the Beach Boys and um, you know Bruce Johnston's been in the band since 1965 of course you guys like Brian Wilson Al Jardine not involved with the Beach Boys right now but what a what a great deal that was growing up on that music. They've been the soundtrack of summer times for me since I was a kid, and it was great to, great to finally see them live. And then the next night, um, on the contrary, saw Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson. Really enjoyed that show. I thought Rob Zombie had the bigger and better production. Uh, Marilyn Manson was solid, had, had really good energy, and his performance was, was good. But Rob Zombie, that band is really blistering right now. John Five on guitar, Ginger Fish on drums, and Piggy D on bass, his band. Uh, a couple of those guys have been in Marilyn Manson's group before, John Five and Ginger Fish. But what a show. It was thunderous. Um, had great seats right down there. So pulled a one-two punch for the weekend, and now I'm gearing up uh, for a little vacation. So going to be out of town next week. But hey, things are rolling along. This is summertime, and this is what we do here on the Music Mania podcast. Always appreciate you hitting that uh, subscribe button on iTunes uh, or YouTube. Uh, send us a tweet at Music Mania Podcast underscore show. I'll tell you what, this week, it's a show too big for just one guest, too big for just two guests. We have three guests on this show because we're celebrating the rock of the 70s. This concert is coming to the Missouri State Fair on August 10th. It is the rock of the 70s with Foghat, Atlanta Rhythm Section, Firefall, and Pat Travers Band. Guys, this is a night of 70s rock not to be missed. The Missouri State Fair is always a big event, so get your tickets now. Uh, Missouri State Fair coming up in Sedalia, Missouri. Uh, this is a show put together, and I tell you what, we got three members from three of these bands. Uh, on this show alone, we have Roger Earl, the drummer, founding member of Foghat, going to be joining us to talk about some of their big hits, Slow Ride, I Just Want to Make Love to You, both appearing on the Days to Confuse soundtrack. 
the legacy of Fog Hat uh, and, and some of the problems they faced over the years with members' deaths and things like that. Um, also, going to have Pat Travers himself, blues, hard rock guitar legend Pat Travers, is going to be joining us uh, to talk uh, about his career, about uh, you know riding around the road for all these years, playing with bands like Fog Hat, playing with bands like Rush uh, during the band's infancy. Embassy in, uh, in the late 70s, you know, having drummers like Nico McBrain from Iron Maiden and Tommy Aldridge from Whitesnake uh, in his band in previous years. And then from Atlanta Rhythm Section, we're going to have singer Rodney Justo uh, to talk all Atlanta Rhythm Section, uh, the, the idea that they're one of the early Southern rock bands ever formed and uh, kind of the, the career and the path that they had and, and the influence they have on, on Southern rock. So, loaded show here today. That means a lot less of me, a lot more of our guests, and that's what it's about. So, without further ado, we want to get to our first guest. He is Mr. Roger Earl of the band Foghat. Roger, welcome to the show. How's everything going, man? Yeah, we've uh, we've been all over the place, north, south, east, and west, and a number of points in between. Uh, in fact, this, this weekend, I'm heading out to the west coast, going out to Oregon and San Diego, but we're coming to Kansas City, Missouri. You were just uh, in Kearney last week on uh, on Friday. It was Kearney outside of Kansas City uh, at the Kearney Amphitheater on the thirteenth, and you'll be here right. and back in uh, Sedalia, Missouri, for the Missouri State Fair August tenth. I've got to ask you about that because that is quite a lineup coming up here. It's uh, it's you guys, uh, Atlanta Rhythm Section, Firefall, and Pat Travers at the Missouri State Fair. Uh, I'm sure you got some stories running up and down the road with some of those guys. That's good. It, it's going to be great. Um, We've done lots of shows with, with the bands already. Um, Atlanta Rhythm Section are great. Uh, Pat Travers, we played with since the seventies, and he's playing fantastically well. And Fireball, we did we did a couple of shows with them, and and they sounded brilliant. Absolutely, it's going to be a big one uh, here at the Missouri State Fair. Always hot. It's been it's been uh, it's been a hundred degrees as you guys felt last week here for about the whole summer. We'll try to get that cooled down for you, Roger. But I tell you what, what you know, what is it about the road? You guys are relentlessly touring. You're still out there doing it. Uh, is is there ever a time where where the road kind of grates on you, or is it a point in your career where you're like, this is just kind of what your life has been for so long that you just you just love being out there. Um, I'm going to roll till I'm old and roll till I drop. You know, this is like, careful what you wish for. I mean, you know, when I was 12 years old, I was starting to learn to play the drums and I was into rock and roll and uh, rhythm and blues and stuff like that. And uh, it was all I ever wanted to do. And I had to get a day job to support my habit of cymbals and drums. But um, I'm 72 years old now. Um, um, loving playing. The band is playing great. Um well, you know, we've been practicing for about 60 years. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, it's terrific. Uh, life is good. Um, you know, I love what I do. And, um, you know, we play two or three days a week and then we get to go home. It's not, not like the old days when you're on the road for like nine, ten months of the year. Um, no, it's really good now. It's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. And I'm looking forward to coming to uh, the area because uh, we were just there re- fairly recently and... Uh, I've got some good friends there. 
Absolutely. And you talk about the current incarnation of Foghat and, uh, and these guys, Brian, Charlie, Rodney. Talk about these guys and, you know, what, what kind of is a, is a good mix with them. Uh, just talk about this because it's been together since, uh, well, I think Brian since 99 and Charlie since uh, 2000. You guys have been together quite a while. Talk about these guys and what yeah. they're bringing into the band. Yeah, it's, um, yeah um, we've all known each other for over 20 years now. Um, Rodney O'Quinn joined us three years ago. He used to play with Pat Travers' band, so that would be good. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, we've made three or four um, four record studio albums. We've got two, uh, three um, live out CDs released and two DVDs, so uh, we're still uh, doing stuff. And... Uh, you know, life is good. We, uh, we play, I think we're playing for about an hour that night. Um, we'll be playing all our hits like Slow Ride, Ball for the City, Stone Blue, uh, I Just Want to Make Love to You, Driving Wheel. We'll also be doing some other stuff from our other albums. And um, we take requests as well. Don't ask for any ballads because you don't play no stinking ballads. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there goes my idea. But, uh, you know, you, you talk about, you know, just recording an album. You guys just in uh, 2016 came out with uh, Under the Influence and you did a live album in 2017. How important is it to you to continue to record, whether it be uh, in a live setting or, or a studio albums? How important is that to you for, for, uh, for you know, creatively? Um, well, we have our own studio down in Deland, Florida. Um, where we've, we've recorded all our last albums and all, all the basic tracks and where we uh, do our mixing. Brian Bassett, our lead and side guitar player, is the resident genius in the band. He does all the production and uh, uh, mixing and editing and everything else that has to be done. We are working on another project called Earl and the Agitators, which is, which is about three quarters of Fogat, which we started about four years ago. Um, that's interesting. There's got a number of other players in it. Um, that's the only other thing that's going on at the moment. So we do have a, uh, when we released the, under the influence album, we did a, a record release party at BB Kings in Manhattan, which is no longer there. And we recorded that and filmed it with uh, a number of different artists with Kim Simmons, the lead guitar player and, of Savoy Brown and with Scott Holt, who is in the Earl and the Agitators band, um, and a few other sort of guests. So that might come out eventually. Uh, and of course, I'm going to go in the studio again this winter, January, February, March, and we'll probably put another record out. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, absolutely. Um, you know, I want to go back to 1977 because um, when Fog Hat Live came out, I think it changed a lot of things for the band. It went to number 11 on the U.S. album charts. And this is at a time where live albums had become so popular. You had Frampton Comes Alive. You had Cheap Trick Live at Budokan. Kiss really came on the map with uh, with uh, Alive in 1975. Talk about just kind of where things were for Fog Hat in 1977 and how big uh, the band, the, the uh, album Live was for you guys in America. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was great. What happened is we'd been in the studio and, um, for the previous album. And I think, uh, Dave and Rod at the time were having some issues of, like coming up with a new material. Cause then we were making an album every year. It was sort of a lot of pressure on the main writers in the band. And I'd been, 
my sound engineer at the time, Bob Coffey, was uh, recording each night for me. And I went to the band and said, look, the band is sounding great. I think we were probably peaking at that time. Uh, we peak from time to time. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> And, and the, the, everybody was playing. Everybody was playing great. And I said, "We ought to record it." So Nick Jameson, who'd been uh, who'd been, been associated with for a number of years, in fact, he was he produced uh, the Paul for the City album and Slow Ride, and he also played bass uh, for a while with us. So I asked him if he would um, come out and do some live recordings with us, um, and he was going to produce it. Craig McGregor was playing bass. And uh, we took it from two shows, from Syracuse, upstate New York, and uh, uh, another place up there, uh, Rochester. Yep. Uh, we did a, we did about ten shows, but that we that that was where the shows came from. Uh, there is uh, some other stuff because I know we were playing for about an hour and a half then, and the, the record uh, folk at the folk at live was only forty five minutes, so it's hidden somewhere in uh, Warner Brothers' vaults. Um, they won't let me go down there and look because I <laughs> was out there about a couple, couple of months ago. I said, well, you can't do that. I said, why not? It's our fucking record. And they said, well, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to go down there. You, you can bleep that out. Uh, <laughs> uh, fucking Warner Brothers. Um, <laughs> but we were on uh, Bearsville Records, which was um, run by uh, Albert Grossman, who, was, uh, who in fact gave us our shot. Over, uh, I owe Albert a great deal. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll probably be doing some more music. Um, we, like I said, we've got some stuff in the works. Um, but live performance is, is what I really enjoy. I enjoy it sort of, but I still, I still always want to go out and play. Uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. And everybody in the bank, they're all great players. Well, you know, talk about the legacy of Foghat because you guys have uh, endured highs, lows, breakups, deaths. And still coming out on the other end here, uh, and, and that's that's what's important. But just talk about what what is the legacy of this band? Because there's so many hits, so many things that uh, happened back in the 70s, still going strong now, and you've had to endure so much. I guess they say if you're around long enough, you're gonna have you're gonna have the bad things happen too. But uh, what is the legacy of Fog Hat? It's a rock and roll band. Yeah, <laughs> plain and simple. We play rock and roll. Yeah, and that is that is it. That is uh, unequivocally the case. And you look at, you know, and when I look at the legacy, you think about, um, you know, and this is a movie. This uh, Days to Confuse came out, and, and it was you know just a snapshot of the '70s. And, and you guys had not one but two songs on the soundtrack for Days to Confuse, and that was a who's who of '70s music. And I just think that when you look back at that. That says so much about where Foghat was at the time, and that's just you know the enduring legacy is is the songs that you left and you keeping them alive. That's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know about legacy. I mean, I, I mean, I think a legacy will be when you know when I depart, that, uh, when the good Lord sees uh, fit to take me. But uh, up until then, I think we're still going to be out there playing and breaking new ground. And uh, the the exciting thing for me is for younger people to hear this band um you know that as you as you pointed out on that record but also we've been in a bunch of adverts and guitar hero and uh stuff like that and we get a lot of like teenagers and 20 year olds coming out to see us either because they heard records either on the radio or their parents or something that i find exciting that the fact that the band is accepted by young people i think that's important um 
uh, yeah, the, the band's doing great. Excellent. And last year was probably about the best year we've had in about 30 years. So awesome. that part is in- interesting. It is, and it's only, uh, you know, keeping it keeping it going, going forward. That's what it's all about. And we will catch you guys here on August 10th at the Missouri State Fair uh, with Firefall with Pat Travers. Uh, it's going to be an awesome show. Hey, Roger, I can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, don't, forget Atlanta, don't forget Atlanta Rhythm Section. And ARS. And, and we got we got them coming up on this podcast, too. We got Pat Travers, yourself, and, uh, and Atlanta Rhythm Section coming up here on this podcast. All of you on one show. So it's going to be great. And we will see uh, see you guys on August 10th. We can't wait for that. Thank you so much, Roger, for your time. You're a true legend, and we uh, will catch you on August 10th, my friend. Okay. Thank you, Clint. It's a pleasure talking to you. I'll see you there. You bet. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Great to hear from Roger Earl from Foghat, a band I've always been a fan of, always enjoyed the big hits, always, uh, you know, just really respected what Foghat was in the 70s. And they, you know, a band I always thought growing up were uh, an American rock band, but uh, very British, in fact. And as you heard from from Roger Earl, great to catch up with him, drummer uh, from Foghat. And that show is coming up again, guys. Go to MoStateFair.com for tickets. It is going to be a night of 70s rock hits with Foghat, Atlanta Rhythm Section, Firefall and Pat Travers band and speaking of Pat Travers we're gonna go ahead and welcome him on to our show Pat it is great to catch up with you man how's everything going welcome to the show uh everything is going really really good yeah we've we've been playing some great shows but boy there were some hot ones um but we were in Windsor Ontario uh, Canada the uh, last weekend, and that was really nice. Yeah, that's and then, one thing. Uh, you know, so that was fine, and um, and then I'm, you know, I've got a couple recording things that I'm doing as well. So uh, I'm busy with that, and that, that's actually what sidetracked me was I started talking to people about that so. always working nothing wrong with that you yeah, know, yeah. unfortunately pat i do have to tell you it has been 100 degrees here where i am in missouri uh this whole oh, summer and, and, and you're gonna be here uh on august yeah. 10th coming up here this this is a huge show at the missouri state fair it's it's gonna be you with uh fog hat uh atlanta rhythm section and firefall uh the rock of the 70s show here at the state fair it's gonna be a hot one it's gonna be a great night for rock and roll pat i know you've been around the road with uh with some of these bands before man uh fog hat great band ars oh my gosh uh firefall yeah how has your yeah, past crossed with all, these guys those are all great guys uh i love playing with them all and hearing them fire uh firefall and that they sing so good and they just sound wonderful and of course fog hat i go way back with uh, one of my first major tours the United States was opening for Foghat way back in 1978. So I know Roger Earl a long time. Yeah, we got Roger on on this show actually uh, um, as well. So got got a star studded uh, podcast here with with you, Roger Earl, and, and uh, um, also from Atlanta Rhythm Section. But you know this show coming up here, and you know I know that you've you've toured with so many bands. You go back and you know talk about you know in your mm-hmm. in your early days touring with a band like Rush and and how, the adulation they have for you. Yeah. What does it say about this era and the, these these bands that still? you know, resonate with, with fans today that you can go out and still play shows like this, big audiences still showing up and, and is it's just all about these great songs and, and these great bands, isn't it? 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. You know, I don't think about it that much, but yeah, uh, boy, some of these songs and performances have been making people and uh, crowds go crazy now for like 50 years. So they must, they're just really good, you know. You, I suppose you can't uh, do too much examination or, you, you, you know, they just are. They are what they are. And, and I'm, gl- I'm glad to have a couple of those to my name. Certainly so. so. And you, you know, deep-rooted in this, in, in, in rock, down and in, in just straight-ahead rock, whatever you want to call it, blues, guitar. Absolutely, yeah. But how do you feel that, because I feel that maybe what's missing from modern music uh, is, is... is guitar like the Pat Travers band and, and bands like that and that go back? Uh, you know, you, I know you were widely influenced by by a guy like Jimi Hendrix and who wasn't from your era. Yeah. But what is what do you think is missing from rock guitar these days? I just don't think there's a lot of a great lead players that that really stand out. I mean, what do you think is missing in, in the guitar sound of today? Um, well, I think you know there's some great players without a doubt, uh, but somebody's got to come along that does a slightly different thing and and has, uh, you know, has got to be able to sing and have some songs, too. And uh, I don't know if we're ever going to have the guitar hero type deal again. But I, I can see uh, some young guy who's been influenced by people like me and people like Hendrix and Beck and et cetera and put a whole new 21st century spin on that shit and just come out and amaze everybody. I, I really believe that'll happen, you know? I mean, there's, uh, there's, we, my wife and I follow this little boy on TV. He's like, what, about three years old now. But he's been playing drums since he was one years old. And he is totally amazing. So, you know, he's a genius and five six or ten years from now, what the hell will he be doing? He's going <laughs> to totally blow people away. And so I believe that there's there's artists like that that are bubbling around under somewhere and, you know, some outlier uh, will just appear under the right circumstances just like Hendrix did, and just like the Beatles did, and uh, a lot of other people, you know. It's... Uh, I outlier phenomena where just two or three or four people cross paths and create something that's exponentially larger than their own individual talents, you know? Well, you talk about uh, talk about drummers, and I, I don't know if a lot of people realize. And this is just kind of a kind of interesting fact going back, because especially because I'm going to see uh, Foreigner and, and White Snake tonight with, uh, of course, Tommy Aldridge still in White Snake. Tommy used to play with with you, uh, you know, kind of in the back in the your um, indoctrination to the U.S. when you first started yeah. in America, and then and Nico McBrain from Iron Maiden. I mean, a lot of people don't realize this. Talk about those two drummers yeah. and, and working with those guys. Yeah, Nico. Nico was uh, he was on. Two albums with me. He played. We played together for about uh, almost two years in the UK, and uh, yeah, and he's a great guy, and I'm still in touch with him. He lives in Florida. I'll be seeing him soon here. So, uh, and then Tommy uh, Aldridge was played with me from '78 to the middle of 1980. So he was two and a half years and. 
we recorded two studio albums and one live album and he was uh he's great and especially live he's the killer rock drummer of all time there's nobody better absolutely and you talk about your love of, of recording and the fact that you're still very much involved in that you have if my math's correct you have over you have 37 known recordings that, are, that, that that's yeah. unbelievable and that's and that shows the dedication the passion what is it about the recording process that from you know from from the mid-70s to now that, that keeps you interested in, in that process well hope springs eternal <laughs> you know it's like each new project is a new opportunity to possibly have something that could you know pop forth and be a big thing. Uh, I think I am no longer interested in recording eight or ten songs at one time. It doesn't make any sense. It's too expensive and it takes too much time. And so, so now I would prefer, and it's what I'm doing, I've got three really good songs that I've got now, so we're going to make great recordings of those and shoot some really interesting video to promote them. And then, uh, you know, so I'm happy about that. And I have this other project. This, uh, it is a CD, but it's a theme thing. So it's like going to be uh, me covering four 1940s big band swing music. Wow. Yeah, so that should be interesting. And I have some guests on that, too. So, you know, but other than that, yeah, in the past, when I had to come up with 10, 12 songs, in some cases 14, it's it's just not right. I mean, we did great albums that only had eight songs on them, and, and sometimes there were less. So the only reason CDs had 10, 12 songs on them is because they could. You know, you couldn't really put more than eight songs on a, or eight or ten songs on an album, uh, vinyl, because of the you, the sound quality would be terrible. So, just because they could have over 60 minutes of programming on a CD, they made everybody do that, but, you know. And I went along with it for years, and uh, now I'm just going, no, I'm not going to do that, because I like being in the studio when I'm working on something I really believe in and I really like. But if, you know, I'm just recording tracks because it's part of the contract, you know, making them up or whatever, I, you know. That's sort of like prostitution in a way. So <laughs> it is, and I'm not going to do that anymore. So, uh, you know, that's how I feel about that. Well, let's let's talk about your uh, your current band. You've played with so many great artists over the years, and the Pat Travers Band has always been known as just, you know, a, a ferocious live unit, and yet you're a powerful three-piece right now with David uh, Pistorius and Tommy Craig right now. Talk about those yeah. guys and what they what they bring to the mix. Uh, they're great guys, boy. We this is the best three piece band I've ever had. Um, it's it's just wonderful. I'm so glad to be playing with these guys. They know where I'm coming from, and they're really talented, and, and they're just great guys to hang with. And 
you know, that's as important as uh, being a good player. So uh, we're, uh, we're able to rehearse and work on new material and play new material live, and uh, so that's exciting. And then, of course, we do all the stuff that my fans want to hear. So it's it's great. We're really excited, and despite the heat, we're going to kick everybody's ass coming up here. <laughs> that's that's what it's all about. And, you yeah, because I've been training, you know, so <laughs> 90 minutes in 100-degree heat is nothing for me. Well, we're going to try to kick that temp down for you guys here in Missouri on August 10th. We're going to try. I can't make any promises well, okay. because <laughs> we've, well, been, we've been out. So I've been that's to, okay. Hey, that's what it's all that's, about. Um, Pat, I'll tell you what, you have many admirers. So many people, you know, name you as, as, a, as an inspiration for their guitar playing. I've got guys like Kirk Hammett from Metallica, uh, Alex Lifeson mm-hmm. from, from Rush as, as a huge admirer. And that was a band that, you know, really, you, you, you know, when you started off touring in, in America that you were, uh, you know, hooked up with Rush. Go back to those days, yeah. touring with Rush, what that was like and kind of what Rush, uh, you know, where they were at that time and their sound and what that tour was like and just kind of forming that relationship with them. Well, uh, they were, I think, on their third, excuse me, fourth album, and it uh, it was a gold album. I mean, they'd been selling gold. They didn't get any airplay. <laughs> excuse me, but <clears throat> which, but they had tons of fans. I mean, we sold out all the so-called sheds. You know, seven to eleven thousand, twelve thousand people all these arenas across the Midwest and everywhere. And they were such cool guys, and they were three-piece, and we were three-piece, so, you know, we had a kind of a, a bond in that regard. And, and uh, yeah, they were always looking for something new to play and do, you know. Those guys are very progressive, uh, forward-looking people. Uh, Pat, before we let you go, of course, uh, you were born in uh, in Ontario, Canada. Talk about mm-hmm. the musical scenes. I know, you know, we've I mentioned earlier, you know, obviously, uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix was a huge influence on you. But just talk about what you know music was like in 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 and around Toronto, Canada, uh, while you're growing up, and kind of what you were exposed to, and if there was kind of a specific moment where you you had that that's what I want to do moment. <laughs> uh, well, that came really early. I can tell you exactly when that was. I was watching when I was nine years old and watching the. Uh, Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show yeah. in February 1964, yeah. I mean, I didn't say it, but I knew it, you know. I went, yeah, 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 that's, I get that. I understand that. Because it wasn't the girls screaming and all that that attracted me. It was uh, just the whole thing. It was so syncopated and... Um, yeah, it was uh, harmony and blending, and but they looked like they were having so much fun, which they were. And but they were also, you could tell that they were in charge of their own uh, musical direction and everything, and and that was appealing to me too. You know, they didn't have like a producer or somebody like that. They were their own guys. So that that was inspiring, and then I I finally got uh, my own guitar when I was about twelve, and I started practicing and got an electric guitar.
guitar, well, the first electric guitar I had was uh, a Les Paul Gold Top when I, just before I turned 15. So I got it when I was 14. And, um, and there were, at that time in the late 60s in Ontario, uh, Ottawa, Canada, where I was at, there were all kinds of different bands around. There were pop bands and soul bands and rock bands and jazz and just, and bands from Toronto and bands from Montreal and great lead singers and great keyboard players. And, you know, the B3, the Hammond B3, it was like in Toronto and Montreal, there were guys that were just doing stuff on that thing and it was just blowing my mind. And uh, the great guitar player. So, you know, I, I loved it all and then I ended up playing in nightclubs for, you know, six nights a week and four sets a night. So we had to play everything. We were like the human jukebox. and But we also got to, because we had so many sets and uh, in the middle of the week, there'd be nobody there. It'd be pretty quiet during the last set. So we, you know, other guys we knew would come over and get up and jam. We had a lot of a lot of jamming going on at that time, which was also very cool because uh, that's something that's uh, that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, it, guys used to go. I I could show. I would go to a nightclub or something, and nobody would even know me. But I'd have my guitar, and I, you know, talk to whoever in the band, and they go, "Yeah, why don't you get up and play?" Um, it was really. Uh, people were really receptive to having other people get up and play. Which, when I moved to London, England, was totally the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> they did not want... Well, they couldn't get any gigs, or, you know, unless you were an album, unless you were a signed act, you, you didn't play. There were no nightclubs. There was nothing like that. There were some pubs gigs and uh but you only played like one set maybe you know and so they weren't too keen to have some stranger come up and jam with them because they didn't have any time so anyway but that's okay i got over that and just started my own band and got a record deal (laughs) (laughs) well just like that yeah Yeah, that's how it works (laughs) well Pat, you're an an iconic guitarist. You've been around. You've done so much. And I tell you, we can't thank you enough for uh, for your time. We are looking forward, man. August 10th, we'll see you here in uh, in Sedalia, Missouri. It's the Missouri State Fair. All the fried food you can get your hands on. In the summer heat, there's no better place to be, my friend, with Fog Hat and uh, Atlanta Rhythm Section and Pat Travers Band. uh, And we're just looking forward to to seeing you, man. We'll catch you then and uh, have a good, uh, good rest of the summer till then. We'll catch you on August 10th, my friend. Thank you very much, my brother. I'll talk to you again soon. You betcha. Thanks a lot. Can't thank Pat Travers enough for taking time to come on the show with us to talk about this big show coming up at the Missouri State Fair. Again, you can go to mostatefair.com for tickets. It's going to be at the Pepsi Grandstand at the State Fair, one of the featured 
concerts of the season. The Missouri State Fair is always a big deal, always a lot of country acts. So when the rock bands hit the stage, you want to be there for it. You want to experience it live. You want to get there early and experience all the great State Fair food, the fried corn dogs, the fried, you know, the, the funnel cakes, all the above. That's what um, State Fairs in the Midwest are all about. It's all about blistering heat, live classic music, and of course, all the fried horrible foods. And that's what I'm all about. So, you know, Without further ado, we want to bring on our last guest here on the show. He is the singer from Atlanta Rhythm Section, a.k.a. ARS. You still hear him on 70s and Yacht Club Radio on Sirius XM. Rodney Justo, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? How's everything going, my man? Man, can you believe it? All of a sudden, here we are getting to be old. You're all working more than we used to. <laughs> that's that's a good <laughs> thing, right? Doing so good, you almost need two of you out there, man. That's the that's how it works. But man, we got you guys coming up here this show, August tenth. We got to talk about this here at the Missouri State Fair, Rock of the Seventies. We got Fog Hat, you guys, uh, Firefall, and Pat Travers Band, all in one bill here at the Missouri State Fair. That's going to be a a night to remember for sure, man. You know, when you get four acts like this, all representing 70s music, I mean, we, we play a few shows with this package, and the customers, the audience, I guess I should say, they get their money's worth, I'll put it to you that way. No I doubt. Mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of hits that are going to hit the stage. I mean, there's got to be between all of us 25-hit records. That's unbelievable. Uh, you look at what... Uh, Fog Hat's career, and and just, I mean, look at Fog Hat, look at uh, at, at Firefall, Pat Travers. Have you? I know you've done a couple shows with this package. You said have you? Have, but uh, going back, I mean, did you guys run up and down at all? With I know, um, you know, Atlanta Rhythm Section started off in the early '70s. You know, kind of along the same time as Fog Hat did. I mean, have you come across a lot of these guys over the years? I mean, you know, traveling around, I'm sure you've crossed paths at least a few times. You know, with, with this these particular guys. I would say um, we, maybe we were with Firefall a long, long time ago. But we really connected with those guys in the past, let's say, three to four years. We played a lot of shows with them, Pure Prairie League, Poco, Orleans. Um, you know, and the good thing is, you know, after you start playing with each other a lot, you get to be kind of pals, you know. You know each other's names, and you, you look forward to running to each other in the hotels. You know, and of course, you want to you afford to play them where you can give the people their money's worth. You know? No question about it. And for yourself, this has been such a journey, Rodney. I mean, you uh, were part of the of Atlanta Rhythm Section's first record. Here you are back. Uh, it's it's been, I believe, seven years since you've rejoined the band. We just how important has this last seven years been for you reconnecting with with this band and with this audience? Well, you know, with me personally. Um, I was really out of the business for over 25 years. I mean, I didn't even sing in the shower. So for me to get back with, especially Dean, you know, the keyboard player who was with me from before the beginning, you know what I mean? We played together with Roy Orbison 50 years ago. So for us to all be together and travel around and get to play together, it's it's, it's a lot of fun, man. I'm enjoying it. That's so great to hear, and I know, uh, you know, since you talk about Roy Orbison, I have to bring it up because my dad used to always tell me that Roy Orbison is the is is the one that made that told Elvis to dye his hair black. Can you can you can you confirm or deny that rumor? My dad's always told that tale. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't think. I think it'd be the other way around. I think Roy dyed his hair black because of Elvis. 
Okay, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to dispel that one. Well, uh, you know, that's, that's, there's a lot of rumors about Roy. You know, he's blind. Uh, he's an albino. <laughs> uh, and none of which are true. You know, he's just a guy who needs glasses and they happen to be. I don't know if you know the entire story, but what happened was he was on his way to play uh, an international date, I think, in Australia, and he left his regular glasses in the previous city. So he had to put on those sunglasses if he wanted to see, and they got to be a thing and ended up being yeah. his trademark. You know, he it was in certainly a, an iconic look. The irony, Clint, is that, you know, when I worked with him, people didn't know what he looked like. Yeah. It was really bizarre. I, I could walk down the street with him anywhere in America, and people wouldn't know who he was. Wow. It, 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 like I said, considering how he looks now, you see that face, you know right away. But back then, nobody knew. Yeah, yeah. If he, you know, if you hadn't seen him live or in a in a magazine or something, you know, there there wasn't. That's right. Yeah, that's kind of right. that is kind of crazy. Um, for Atlanta Rhythm Section, talking about you guys, and you have a busy uh, touring schedule here this summer, and it all kind of leading up to. Uh, uh, you've got the Southern Rock Cruise coming up 2019. You, you're a fan of the cruises. You guys have done a few of these. It's got to be just a great time, and, and hopefully no one's gone overboard yet, and that's that's hopefully <laughs> never going to happen, right? <laughs> Cliff, uh, you got to imagine this for us, okay? Those cruises are great because you get to be a participant. You know, people come to see you, and they treat you nice, they applaud and all that stuff. Then when you're done, you're part of the audience. Yeah. You go out and you watch all these other acts. You know, so you, we get to be a participant and a fan as well. So you, we get to meet people, you know, other acts that we've never met that we might look up to. We just did one with uh, Michael McDonald. In fact, we'll be working with uh, Michael McDonald the day after we see you. If you get a guy who sings like Michael McDonald, say, by the way, no one ever talks about his uh, piano playing. He's brilliant, man. I mean, and he's very... He's a very emotive piano player. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy seeing him. I mean, of course, he sings great, you know, and um, we're not pals or anything, but I met him when we talked for a few minutes, so I'm looking forward to seeing him again. You know something? I had thought many times, I don't think I've ever said this, but I could imagine Michael singing So Into You or Imaginary Lover. Imagine those songs with his, with him singing it. Yeah. That would work. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Imaginary yeah. lover. Absolutely. You know, it would be great. Well, I, so. do you, I, w- I want to go back kind of, kind of the beginning because you're a New York guy, but you wind up joining Atlanta Rhythm Section. Do you remember the first time you ever heard the term Southern Rock? I mean, uh, obviously you had Almond Brothers kind of start. When, when is the first time you remember your sound being referred to as quote unquote Southern Rock? That's a good, good question, because I must tell you that when we started, there was no Southern Rock. Yeah. You know, people talk with the Allman Brothers. To me, the Allman Brothers were a blues band. To me, Southern Rock to me is uh, Marshall Tucker, the Outlaws, um, you know, bands of that milieu. I've always wanted to use that word, by the way. That's a good word. <laughs> uh, that ill. <laughs> For those of us who don't speak French. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, if it comes to Southern Rock, if you listen to the first album, you know, we thought we were going to be more of a, a rock band. The hits ended up being, you know, classic rock hits. Uh, but I don't know whether we belong in Southern rock or don't. 
we don't sound like the outlaws. To me, Southern Rock is uh, like an illegitimate first cousin to country music. You know what I mean? <laughs> Mo- <laughs> Molly Hatchet. About flatbed yeah. trucks and Willie and Waylon. <laughs> <laughs> Bastard sons of, of Willie and Waylon, Leonard Skinner and Molly Hatchet, maybe. But right, Skinner's another great example of that. But you know, our music. And I don't mean this in a condescending way, but our chord progressions and, li- and um, lyrics are a little bit more sophisticated than what most people associate with Southern rock. Yes. Yeah. You and know, people always tell me, it's like you guys are like a rock and roll Steely Dan. I hear that a lot. I, yeah. And I think that's, that's fair enough. Do you, I, I don't know if you have XM or not, but you hear, you hear um, Imaginary Lover, Free Spirit, uh even like spooky on um, on Yacht Club Radio on XM all the time. Yacht Club Radio. Right. So this music has sort of just a, a no boundaries really on on what it actually is, and that's interesting. Yes, I, I agree with you. Uh, I do listen to uh, satellite radio, and um, I do see a lot of uh, our stuff. People send me. Um, you know, photographs like they'll take a picture of. Uh, a radio dial on their car. It's so into you being played on 70s classic hits or uh, whatever some of the various stations might be. I can't think of them right now. But yeah, yeah. You deep s- tracks, classic hits. Classic vinyl is one that you see a lot. Of. Yes, mm-hmm. you guys cross. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you guys cross right. a lot of different boundaries, and I think that's interesting because it's almost a band that's not, it's hard to categorize because you can, you can be out on your yacht listening. Yeah. If you have one, I don't have a yacht, but I, if you, you can be out on your pontoon oh, I boat. I got two. I got two, by the way. Hey, well, there you go. Know. Well, you'll <laughs> take one of those off your hands. There's no lie detector in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what, what did I you? I just put a down payment on a kayak. Does that count? <laughs> no, that I can. That's, that's about all I can do. Uh, but do you, what, what was this, the culture change like for you coming from, being a New York guy, you know, from Roy Orbison, your musical beginnings to, uh, you know, Georgia and the music scene that was happening at the time. What was what was the culture like for you when you moved down there and kind of immersed yourself into this band? Well, ironically, I'm actually a Tampa guy. I, grew, I was born in New York, but I, I live in Tampa I've been mm-hmm. here for most of my life. I moved to Atlanta naturally when uh, ARS started. And then I moved to New York, then back to Tampa. But, you know, my personal background was, uh, I started off, I had like an 11-piece rhythm and blues brand. I started in 1959. So uh, what happened was I met Orbison through him playing here in town, and, my, and I backed him up. My band played a lot of artists that came into town. It's hard for people to remember, Clint, but in the old days, bands didn't have hit records. People had hit records. They were single artists. Yeah. You know, so whether it was Fabian or Neil Sedak or Gene Pitney or Roy Orbison or whoever, Dion, whoever it was, they they didn't travel with bands. They maybe had one person with them, usually a drummer or a guitarist. And they would play whatever local band was here. So the local bands would learn their hits. And then when they would all do, you know, the twist or what did I say? So they did their hits and they all did about five or six songs and maybe a a Bo Diddley song, mm-hmm. and you played, that, that's what they did. They showed up and they played 30, 35 minutes. That was it. This is So that's how I got to meet everyone. I've worked with virtually every artist that had a hit record in those times. 
yeah, I've got to ask you about one in specific. I never would have thought this interview would have went this way, but one of our favorites and a great friend of our show is one of my favorite artists of all time, uh, Tommy James, Tommy James and the Shondells. I don't know. He's about mm-hmm. your age. I don't know if you ever ran around with him. I know he was like a Detroit guy, but uh, you, all that you just described is like his career to a T as far as the, the recording goes. Uh, and, and we've uh, Peter Noon from Herman's Hermits as well on this show. So like we go way back with those bands. I think that's, I mean, that's the foundation of, of rock music. It's just unbelievable to think back to those times. Well, we played a show in um, Miami with Peter Noon, and I'd never seen him. Really? And he, never seen him live. His act was sensational. Isn't He's it? a hardworking guy now. He's hilarious, He's too. Very, yeah. Oh, man, I loved it. He was very polished. You know, he did something else that I thought was really brilliant. And he would do songs that weren't his songs. Yes. But people in the audience didn't get it. They were like, oh, yeah, Martha, I remember that one. He's doing I'm telling you now, by Freddie and the Dreamers, you yeah. know, and I'm going, that is pretty damn cool, man. <laughs> He's doing his songs, and dude, he had a lot of hits. You forget how many hits this guy had. Oh, my gosh. Silhouettes and Wonderful World and so many from he, them. And oh, he, man. He's, and like I said, I've got so, respect, so much respect for him because... He's, he's a hard worker. And you know, many, 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 I saw Trump years ago. Um, my old manager, our old manager, talked about meeting Peter Noon, and they, he said that he was brilliant. He said he was not just a regular singer, he was a brilliant businessman. Yeah. You know, and I said, well, really? So whenever I used to think about Peter Noon, I thought more about him being so smart with marketing his, himself or what have you. And then I saw his act and I went, oh, this guy's brilliant in more than one way. Yeah, he even toned up his British accent when they first came out to make it seem, yeah. you know, to and so that's part of it. You're absolutely right. And, you know, for you, you talk about going back to 1959, you've been basically around, you know, from the genesis uh, of of what we know as rock music, and here we are in 2018. You've seen it all change. You've seen everything imaginable come and go. Like, what is that like for you to sit there to be on a stage now in 2018 and to just sort of reflect back on 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 all the musical climates and changes that you've seen over the years? I mean, that's real. You're in a special position. Well, you know, um, McLean, we just we do our thing. We represent a period in time. I never play a date uh, where someone doesn't come up to me and say. Let me tell you, Rodney, I relived my entire college experience tonight. Yeah. You know, so, so you know, we have our own little niche where we, where we belong, I think. And we're lucky because the hits that we had are really classic rock hits. As long as we can breathe, we can work. Yeah. You know, because the type of hits that we had, it's not like we had some goofball hit that was just one. You know, we had five, <laughs> six, seven hits. You know, happened to just fall into songs that live forever. Once again, they live forever because the songs are strong. That's, you know what I mean? The, the songs mean something, whether it's spooky or so into you, imaginary lover, you know, do it or die, I'm not going to let it bother me tonight, champagne jam. Not to mention regional hits. You yes. know, we had regional hits that were big in, you know, places in the South. It, you know, it, that we even forget about sometimes. It does, and you know what? It, it becomes almost cryptic to to think about because in the last just three or four years, we've lost so many legendary artists from all different realms of rock right. music. But d- at this stage, it, it the the term "keeping the music alive" becomes more important now than ever because even though you know members of bands may pass away, and Atlanta Rhythm Section has had that has gone through that, losing members and deaths. 
It just becomes, I mean, you, you have to keep it, it alive. You hit it right on the head, baby. Yeah. You hit it right on the head. We've evolved. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, the people say, well, how many original members do you have? I said, well, how much, why does it matter? I mean, I love, used to love the Yankees when I was a kid. Yeah. I'm a Yankees fan. I'm not mad because I don't see Mickey Mantle or Roger Maris and Joe DiMaggio up there. Right. You know, you like the Yankees, you like the Yankees. Absolutely. You know, it should be the same in music, as long as it's good. The day we suck, that's a different story. they got a right to complain. But if they show up and they hear us do the hits and we do them with respect and energy and care about the audience, what more do you want? That means a lot. I, in fact, I mean, I just saw Foreigner the other night with only Mick Jones left and right. foreigner and they're and they're outstanding and that music will live right. on tell me that tell me they're not great tell me that amazing. singer doesn't do a great job oh it's amazing uh, kelly hansen on vocal i mean they're just amazing i, I know jeff pelson really well bass player you know from Dawkins, and uh, they're outstanding and i think that that's what it's all about it's keeping these songs alive there's an audience for it this you talk about the 70s you talk about you define people's experiences in life. Their whether it be their, their high school, you know, first first date, first high school dance, college experience. You guys help define that for people, and that never goes away, does it? I mean, it, right. That's it's, right. It's a powerful thing. In fact, I'm going on a limb here. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but there are some groups that are better now than when they were big. Absolutely. Thank goodness for yeah. me as a younger fan, I'm getting to see all these bands. I'm only 34, right. so getting to see all, all this and, and immersing myself in it's been a real pleasure, and you're absolutely right. Uh, that is right. That is true. I don't say who they are because I don't want to be disrespectful to the original artists that were all great. But believe me, some of them are, are better. They're better staged. Their lighting is better. They're more professional. They're not drunk or high before they hit the stage. You know, they figured out that it's a business. So uh, that's a good Thing you brought up, I wanted to ask you: uh, substances. Was that ever something that that uh, that, that was a struggle in, in your band in Atlanta Rhythm Sex? Was that something that was ever that kind of drove you guys apart, or anybody struggle with that? Well, I mean, you that's... know, uh, to, to some extent, I, I was perfectly happy doing nothing. Yeah, you know, I'm retired, sit around the house, and, and you know, doing whatever it is that you do. Um, but the band had gotten to, and once again, I made no disrespect to anybody in my own band. But it had got to where it was almost like a tribute band in a sense. And then I got a call from, uh, we had a guy who was our Svengali. It was, this band was his vision. He produced everything. He wrote us, wrote the songs. He managed. He was a good guy. That didn't mean we didn't have our differences, which is why I left in the first place. Mm -hmm. But not personal. I loved him. And um, he called me up and said, look, Rock, you know, you think we'd like think about coming back, you know, I, I don't do that, buddy, I quit, I don't sing anymore, you should do this, you know, like it or not, the band's going to keep on, if you're not going to be the guy who keeps it together, well, who should? Sure. And he kind of, when he phrased it to me that way, I went, he said, dude, you're part of the legacy, it's that simple, so, you know, I don't like to show up and act like I'm Ronnie Hammond, but, you know, I was one of the originals. Well, you know, putting it all together. So, to kind of answer your question, yes, I, we, there probably was some blowback even when I when I came back. You know, like guys, I've been watching this band; they're doing the same songs. Well, we fixed that. You know, we yeah. changed the act. We had a lot of songs, a lot of deep cuts. We can now uh, modify our set depending on what the audience is or how long we have to play. 
Well, I tell you what, Rodney, I can't tell you what a what a pleasure. I mean, this uh, one of my favorite conversations I've had in a long time, man. And we're closing out our our podcast here with Roger Rolofog, Pat Travers, and now finally with uh, with Rodney Judson from uh, Atlanta Rhythm Section. Rodney, I tell you what. We're going to see you guys on August 10th. I can't wait. I'm going to have to come up and say hi and shake your hand, man, because... Please do. I look forward to meeting you. Rodney, a, a treat. It's this has been a treat for me. This conversation really has, and uh, we can't. Uh, best of luck all the rest of the summer. I know you guys got a lot of shows. Um, we'll see you on August tenth. We can't wait for that one. MoStateFair.com. That's where you guys can get your tickets for this big show coming up. It's a night of seventies rock hits, and you do not want to miss it. I won't. I will definitely not be missing. I'll be there, and I will see you there, Rodney. Thanks so much. Take all care, right, my friend. All right. Be good to yourself. You Thank bet. you. You too. Thanks. Yeah. Yes, sir. Bye bye. Well, there you have it. Three huge guests. Thanks so much for Rodney Justo. Thank you so much to Pat Travers and a huge thanks to Roger Earl for joining us. Man, I'm exhausted. Three interviews, three big bands, and there's going to be four coming up here at the Mo State Fair. MoStateFair.com is where you can get tickets to this massive 70s rock event. Can't thank these uh, musicians enough for coming on. Guys, this is what we do. This is what's so exciting about summertime is it's when I really am able to delve into to, to this podcast and take a lot of time to get a lot of interviews, go to a lot of shows, do a lot of reviews. You can catch all that on our website musicmaniapodcast.com. I've got everything archived, every interview I've ever done, every show review. Um, you want to catch those on the website, musicmaniapodcast.com. There's links to, to contact us if you have an idea for a guest. If you want to send us some music, send us uh, a review, uh, pictures from concerts. Be sure you do that. I'm always up for that and enjoy interacting with all of you. So without further ado, guys, I'm going to be on vacation for this next week. So the podcast may come in a little late next week. We usually drop on Fridays. It's... Um, it's, it may be Friday night, late, or Saturday, and it's going to be it's going to be a big one because Will Turpin from Collective Soul is going to be joining me next week uh, to keep this summer rolling along. That's what we're about here in the Music Media Podcast. Get out and enjoy a live show, enjoy your friends, enjoy some cold beverages, and enjoy the summer fun. <laughs>